Welcome to the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Greg Pawlowski, Superintendent of the North Little Rock School District in North Little Rock, Arkansas, as our guest. Welcome, everyone, to the Plexus Leadership Podcast. I'm David Lindenberg, Vice President of Plexus, and I'm very pleased today to have the Superintendent of Schools from North Little Rock School District, Dr. Gregory Paluski. Welcome, Greg. Hey, thank you, Mr. Limbers. I appreciate it. It's such an honor to be with you today. I'm so glad you're here. And I know as we are prepping for this, you were doing superintendent work. You got a phone call. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, as they say, it's, uh, you know, 24-7, 365. And uh, yeah, so we had a little issue at the high school, but uh, got it resolved. And uh, yeah, so you, you got to observe that in real time of communication with our board and our staff. So uh, yeah, that's that's part of it. Yes, that's a really good point. It, it made me think of a time I worked at Cal State Monterey Bay as a director of admissions for like 10 years or so. And wow. we went from 3,500 students to 8,000 students. And the time I was there it was a lot of fun. And I was having my big staff meeting at that time. And in the door came my boss <laughs> and he had to tell me something. And so I said, okay, hang on everyone. And I turned to him and I said, okay, he's like, okay. And then he shut the door left and and they're all looking at me like, oh, no, what's happening? And I kind of laughed. And I said, hey, don't forget, I have a boss, too. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. And when you're a superintendent, you have seven, right? Yeah. Seven, seven bosses. So uh, that's You know, while we're on that topic, you know, just, yeah. you, you know, I was really, really exciting for me to see you communicating with them. Obviously, it's a big deal. The board, they're, they're heavily invested in making sure you have all the tools you need and with that kind of open dialogue communication, what does that do for you and your district to make it so dynamic and effective? Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the you know the the biggest things you know, and what we kind of teach with our leaders is you know uh, you know school principals don't want to be blindsided by their staff. You know, the next up the chain doesn't like to be blindsided, and it's all about improving communication. And when I when I talk about that with leaders in our schools and our employees. I talk about the same thing, which is that information has to flow beyond me to to our school board members as well. And um, and and I often say, you know, our school board members would tell you uh, when school's rolling, it's it's not uncommon for them to get maybe 10 to 15 text messages a day from me. Just just trying to keep them updated, because I don't want obviously them to be blindsided in the community. And, and if I know, you know, they're going to know about it. I even make the joke of. You know, if the toilet on the second floor of the high school was uh, overflowing, I'm going to let them know about it. And, uh, you know, but I guess that's that notion of trying to just over communicate. Right. The right. over importance of, you know, communication. So, so critical. And we're always all of us are always trying to work on better, better communication. You know, I think that's such a good point. You, your relationship with them and then being able to be that intermediary between the rest of the school district is so key. Because the board is obviously very invested, very excited, and they love their community. Absolutely. And just like, you know, in any school district, the, you know, the the school district is the heart of the community. And and here in North Little Rock, you know, relationships run deep like they are in most communities where people know people know people. And so the more that you can uh, communicate, but it also, you know, certainly for us has built a lot of trust uh, between the board and the superintendent of being transparent and, and, you know, just trying to communicate issues and how we're trying to solve them. So thanks for recognizing that. Yeah, I like that. 
I like that. And you, and you shared earlier too about how you were doing, what was it, lunch with the schools? Yes, uh, we just started this year uh, called the uh, Superintendent and School Board Luncheons at every one of our schools. So we go and visit for an hour and uh, 30 minutes we observe instruction. We ask our schools to have student ambassadors. So uh, they're the ones that kind of lead the tour through classrooms, talk about what's going on in their school. And then we spend 30 minutes and showcase our school lunch program and get to learn about it. And uh, yeah, we just had two. And at the last two, <laughs> I was dealing with some kind of a, a situation and uh, our board was like, wow, this is like in real time, you know, watching, you know, watching things unfold and communicating with them about an, an incident that happened, uh, you know, right there in living color. Uh, that's got to be so good for the faculty and staff to see that happening. And the principal be like, oh, he's working. That's right. He does stuff. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. just look good in a suit all day long. He actually does some work. Yeah, he's, he's, he's out in schools and uh, trying to, you know, be visible. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – and those have been a lot of fun to be on. Uh, and it's good to see the um, – our employees see the superintendent school board, you know, working together. and. Yeah and there to listen to what concerns are and, and talk to kids about what they're learning. And so it's been, it's been really positive. We uh, we're, we're anxious to uh, visit all of our schools. Uh, well, we have 15 sites. So uh, we'll stagger those through. We'll, we'll get everybody by the end of the school year. for sure. That, that's a good size school district, 15 schools, right around 8,000 students or more. That's right. That's right. Just under uh, 8,300 uh, is what we serve pre-K through 12. Oof. That's so fantastic. It's, a, it's a good size district. Uh, we're an urban school district and uh, yeah. it is, it's, it, it, it's a good size. I know. I think I shared with you what one of the guys I know from Central Baptist College was the IT director over there and your assistant knew um, Jerry Dowdy, which is just fun. I love those kind of connections. And yeah. The education world is small. You know, speaking of connections, I know you, you were deputy superintendent at Queen Anne's County Public School and you've worked in a number of different places. Maryland, even Shaker Heights, Ohio. I was like, my, my, my parents are from Cleveland, that area. So okay. North, they're from uh, what, Rocky River and Berea. Oh, yeah. Through the other <laughs> side, the west side. <laughs> That's right. In, in the midst of the connections that you've built throughout your career, um, how have those served you well to keep you motivated and engaged? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question because, you know, I've been fortunate that along my journey, along my path, that you just, you meet great people, right? You meet great leaders and you kind of take a little bit of each one of them with you through your journey. But I think it's also important you stay connected with those individuals as well. Uh, and, and they serve as advisors, you know, to, because, you know, sometimes you're dealing with complex problems. It's, it's, it's good to reach out to a friend that, uh, you know, I've got friends that are CEOs of major companies that they'd look at an education issue much differently, uh, maybe than another colleague that's, that's, that's within this field. So trying to have a, a, a good mixture of, of, of mentors, I would say, has been, a, has been key to, to my learning and, and my development uh, as a leader, for sure. And I'm sure them hearing your perspective has got to blow their mind at times. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, safety and security, I'll just give you a hot topic. Safety and security is a very, very hot topic. Uh, one of my closest friends is a former uh, state trooper. So oh, often, okay. uh, I'll be in a dialogue with him, you know, tell me about what's the law enforcement side of this or what's your perspective on that. So it's, it, it's good to have that, you know, because I'm not a law enforcement 
uh, expert by any stretch of the means, but you know, it's, it's part of the job. So it's, it, it's good to have those connections that you can reach out to and collaborate with and problem solve and think through strategies, those kinds of things. It's a good point. I did notice I was reading some stuff that you'd for, um, for me, the school safety task force. Yeah. You just put together. Is that related to working with the, the local sheriff or um, police department? Yeah. So we, um, Back in February, we had uh, we had hired a, a new director of safety security, safety and security. His oh, name nice. is uh, Chief Hayward Finks. He's uh, 35 years in law enforcement. I'll brag about him for a second. I mean, <laughs> he was assistant chief of police in Little Rock. I mean, Chief is a rock star when it comes to safety and security. And when he came on board, you know, my first task with him is, hey, give us a, a really good of assessment of where we are. And, yeah. um, and I will just say that we've really needed to overhaul our safety and security. And then we were able to, in June, bring a comprehensive reform of uh, safety and security for our district that our board 100% approved. Uh, and we will invest nearly uh, three quarters of a million dollars over the next two years uh, in that plan. And in that plan, not to go into a lot of detail, but it has a, uh, has a big IT component, as many of the safety and security features today in school are very IT driven. That's true. Uh, that's true. So whether that's our camera system or uh, we have a weapon detection system called Ocularis, it's a uh, best way to describe it is, uh, you know, a metal detector on steroids uh, at our <laughs> secondary campuses. And, okay. um, you know, we've got some other technology as it relates to visitor management coming in, make sure we're screening people properly. And then we have a, an armed and an unarmed component. So we're uh, very fortunate to have uh, at all of our elementary schools uh, commissioned security officer. Uh, that means they're armed. Uh, and then we have SROs at the high school. And then we have security officers, which are unarmed, and they're really there to protect uh, if there would be an inside threat, such as a fight would be an example. Right. Uh, we've just started implementing that this year. And that's a long way around the barn to say uh, <laughs> working with our local police chief, uh, Chief Tessing, is awesome and, uh, and Chief Finks. Uh, we decided that, you know, with the governor has released the Arkansas Center of uh, School Safety Commission, oh, okay. uh, resurrected that back from 2018 based upon Uvalde. And uh, we thought that was a good idea to model after that locally. So we asked all of our Board of Education members to nominate uh, one individual within their community, a parent or community member uh, to be a part of it. So we have all of our school board zones represented and some mental health workers as well. And uh, we just met this last week and uh, trying to understand what the recommendations are from the Center of School Safety and just opening that dialogue because uh, I think we all know that uh, there are members in our community that know everybody and they know, you know, kids. When I was growing up, it was Miss yeah. Helen. Miss Helen knew everybody, right? That's right. She, knew, That's she right. knew stuff that was happening. You know, when you got home, your parents knew stuff that, you know, they're like, I'm like, how'd you know that? We're like, well, Miss Helen told us when we were at the grocery store. Like, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, and we have those people in our community, and, right. yeah. and they are eyes and ears that can help us better understand what's happening. Because as we all know, some of those community issues can can spill over into schools. Absolutely, and each school is unique to its community, even within your district, isn't it? That's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so we're very excited about that. Like I said, it just got started this week. And so we're just kind of forming and, you know, trying to strategize, uh, better understand the recommendations. And then what's that mean for us uh, here in North Little Rock? 
you know, school is such a place where everything comes together in so many ways. Yes. And it's, it's such a foundational part of our society in key, whether it's public or private, obviously public is the schools tend to be bigger, tend to be engaged in a, in a different way that way. But, you know, thinking about that safety piece, you weren't the first superintendent to mention it and the importance of the planning and the engagement and the kind of relationships it truly solidifies and builds in the community. That's awesome. Yeah. And because we all know that in order for high levels of teaching and learning to take place, you've got to have a safe, healthy and supportive environment uh, that your teachers feel safe and that your kids feel safe. Uh, and, and I think we're moving in the right direction, uh, at least in some of the feedback we've got from students and from uh, staff as we started this year. Uh, you know, we're, we're in a national teacher crisis uh, shortage across, yeah. the, uh, across the country. So anything we can do to retain. Uh, and I think what we're learning is adversely by putting these components into place on the safety side, it's, it's helping with our teacher retention as well. You know, that's a good point too. teacher retention, having a family members and friends who have been teachers and educators in our entire lives, both from the, the county support with mental health and the special ed teacher, regular ed teacher, librarians. I mean, you name it, that their, their need to feel safe on campus and love what they do is paramount. That's right. That's right. And, and having them feel that way just allows them the, you know, that, that autonomy to truly do what we need them to do, which is, you know, which is teach students every single day. You know, the little side note question. I was yeah. thinking about the hurricane that just hit Florida. Sure. And as a superintendent, if you have to deal with something like that in a school district, what goes through your mind? What are some of those things that, that come up for you as soon as you think about something like that potentially happening? I mean, tornadoes, Arkansas, right? Tornadoes. So uh, I'll give you, here's a real world example. Uh, I started uh, November 1st uh, of 2020. Yeah. Uh, side note to that, nine days in, new superintendent, I got COVID-19. Oh, uh, but if sorry. you remember back in February of 2021, we had a major snowstorm here uh, in Arkansas that dropped a foot of snow, which is very unusual. <laughs> so one of my first major uh, you know, incidents to, to make sure that we led through was a, an ice storm that started. So we were out of school for about eight, eight to nine days uh, during that. But there's wow, a, that's a long time. Wow. Yes. And uh, so, you know, a lot of that coordination was was just through this uh, over Zoom with executive team and, and making sure, you know, that we're getting information out, you know, making sure kids were taking Chromebooks home, that kind of thing in, in preparation. How long were we going to be out? What kind of direction were we giving parents, teachers? Uh, in Arkansas, we have um, uh, called AMI Days, additional, I'm not sure I can remember the acronym for that, but they're, they're basically days that still count for instruction. Oh, yeah. They can be done uh, virtually. Okay. And so we have 10 of those days that are kind of built in. So we had used those through that. We could use them for COVID, which we've done. If we've had to pivot last January, we were out for five or six days due to a uh, a spike, you know, in the pandemic. So it takes a lot of coordination and a, uh, a lot of communication and making sure, you know, just because we're, you know, we're out for five or six days and we're telling our, uh, you know, our teachers, here's what you need to do. We also have, you know, our, our maintenance folks and our bus drivers and, yeah, you know, that's right. can we utilize professional development, things we can't normally get to with them? How do we coordinate that? How do you keep them engaged so that, you know, they can, um, 
you know, they can, they can, we can justify their pay, so to speak. So there, there's, there's a lot of things, you know, and then, then you got coming back. Uh, I remember, you know, we had some ice and was it going to melt in time? And we were trying to get out there. Could, could we get buses back? And, you know, you're, you're kind of dancing with the sun and, you know, certain times of the day. So it's, uh, it's just a lot of logistics. Uh, and, and that particular time, uh, we also had cold temperatures, so we had uh, oh wow we had uh, some some water main leaks uh, at our schools. You know, busted pipes and walls that were, you know, uh, I went into one school that particular winter, and you know, there's eight to nine inches of water uh, in the kindergarten classroom. Oh my goodness! So you know, and then you got to shut that area down. And if you're bringing kids back, how do you make sure that they're in a in a different location so instruction can happen? So. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, there is a lot that goes into it. And I'll tell you one thing I learned here from our parents is that uh, and I think you'll find this funny is that, uh, you know, obviously they want to know when you're closing school as early as you can. Uh, right. I learned here that's pretty much by 1130 a.m. You know, that that 1130 to noon uh, the day before, if you can make that kind of phone call, you know, that decision. Uh, but there's lots that goes in, you know, you try to get all the information you can to make a good decision. That makes sense. Cause then there's the critique if you do it wrong. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah, there's always, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's always uh, no, no shortage of that. If uh, you know, as a superintendent, how do you, I mean, you know, it just made me think whenever you do something for the good, there's always the side of those that are critical, Sure. whether it's well-meaning or misplaced, it comes and, especially with how easy it is to put comments out there now. I mean, everyone can see comments that have almost no basis in reality anytime they want and people believe it. Yeah. So in this role with these new kind of pressures, as I'm sure it's changed over the years that you've been involved in education, how do you, how do you manage that piece too? Well, you know, we we're fortunate here that we have a communications uh, coordinator um, that, that kind of manages all that, but, you know, I'm, I'm not one to read, you know, all that kind of fine print uh, because, you know, I want to remain positive. And, and no matter what decision you make as a superintendent, somebody's not going to like your decision. That's true. Uh, and, and you try to make good decisions based upon the information and, and, and doing so. But there's always going to be critics. And I just choose, you know, I just choose not to go down that path because there's always somebody there's always a bunch of negative negativity out there. And um, for me, I just choose to. Uh, you know, just kind of have that thick skin and, um, you know, try to make decisions based upon data information that we have and know it's the right thing for kids at this time and just keep it moving. You know, I, I agree with you as, a, as an education leader for many years, too, is there are their critics and yep. how you handle that individually says a lot to the rest of the team and the in the school board about how can you manage in a crisis? Because that's when we're measured the most is how do you respond when something's very difficult, when it's easy, it's easy. You're like, oh yeah, this is great. But snowstorm for nine days in Little Rock, who, who even thought it would happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I, you made me think uh, back in October, um, probably coming up on one year, we we had a near school shooting here. We had a student wow. walked off campus, uh, rock, right across campus, paid $200 to buy a gun and uh, gave the student the money and the kid took out a gun and shot him in his left arm and thank God he was okay. But um, you could imagine, uh, you know, wow. and, and where my office is to our high school is about a hundred yards. So I'm, I'm right here. So 
yeah, I mean, when you talk about being in a crisis and remaining calm and keeping everybody calm and making sure that, you know, you're, you're leading with not only integrity, but information, providing direction and clarity, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And then people, you know, people can criticize that, you know, all they want, but when you're in the moment, uh, you know, trying to deal with that. um, But I will also say, you know, I have a great team uh, that is, that we've put in place here in North Little Rock and, and that makes the difference. You know, it's, it's hiring high quality people, very competent leaders and uh, give them some direction and, and empower them to go. And, uh, and I think we're seeing that transformation here in, in North Little Rock. Uh, we've just got some great phenomenal leaders that, that we've put in place that, that certainly make this job a little easier. Yeah, that, that's true. Those are your, those are your guys and girls. You go guys and girls, the men and women you go to yeah. <laughs> guys and girls are just colloquial speaking. <laughs> um, you know, when I think about the areas that you're responsible for, and as you've grown through your journey and your career, when did, when th- during your journey to this job, did you start to realize, hey, this is what I really want to do and stick with my career? And, and I love it. Was there a particular point where you just kind of made the transition or was it just more a gradual growth? Yeah, I think it was, it was, it was gradual growth, you know, um, I, I don't, for me, you know, it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, when I was in the ninth grade thinking about, you know, when my science teacher told me you should be a teacher that I ever thought, you know, I want to be a superintendent. I always have wanted just to be a really good teacher. That has always been my focus. And I've always led with that of a passion for teaching and learning and just tried to make that my center of, um, and then, you know, as you grow and and you get more responsibility and you have an opportunity to lead more, and then you find yourself sitting in this situation where you're responsible for 8,300 students and 1,500 employees uh, every single day. And that's a tremendous responsibility that, that gets handed to you yeah. that, um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm responsible. If something goes wrong. I'm, I'm responsible at the end of the day. And, and, and I think being transparent about accountability and embracing accountability, um, is a positive thing. So you're trying to teach accountability too. And you're trying to show to others that you're not only transparent, but I'm going to hold myself accountable. And I'm, I expect the board will hold me accountable. And I expect that. And, and all my employees should expect the same, uh, that we're all held accountable. And I think, um, but through that journey has been, um, I tell you, you know, I told my wife that this is one of the most rewarding jobs and uh, fun jobs that you can really have. Is it challenging? Absolutely. But the fact that you can lead an organization to improve outcomes for children that can literally change their trajectory is a is a tremendous responsibility uh and and that's that's where my passion is it's about changing the trajectory for our children that uh they have the best education possible and when they leave us um you know we've been going through a transformation a new revisioning about um Hmm. we keep landing on this notion about being future ready and we want our kids when they graduate that you know they can demonstrate to their parents to their community to the military to the world of work or to college and university, I'm future ready from North Little Rock. And, and, and here's my kind of badge of honor of skills uh, that, that I'm ready to go on and, and, and make a good living because, you know, education is to, you know, the notion to economic prosperity. 
And, um, you know, uh, so we know that's the key, and especially of of communities of poverty, uh, where we're all trying to break that cycle. And education is the great equalizer to, you know, getting out of that. In our community, 75% of our students here um, are in poverty. So we have a high percentage, but uh, but we know we can, that's not a barrier. It's not an excuse, Absolutely. Uh, but that's what we try to in, instill within our folks is, you know, making sure that, that our kids are healthy, they're happy, uh, and they're in a very safe environment that's nurturing and loving because we all know we need that to thrive. And, and, and many of our kids don't get that, um, on a daily basis. And if they're in that environment and feel they can, you know, we want them to feel like they're superheroes. And they can do anything. I love that. I love that. When they walk through that door, they know their home. It's a yep. safe place where they can learn and grow. You know, having worked with high school students for many, many years to help them get to college. I mean, that's been my profession, my passion, my love. And keeping the barriers low, which what you're talking about is yep. looking at the communities going, this is what I think they need, then listening to what they actually need and then trying to implement it. When you look at your high school students, and their readiness for the next level, whether it's college, because, you know, Plexus is dedicated to helping students get to college and beyond yep. and figure out where their passion is yes. with resources. Yes. So how's it going with the high school students? How are they doing these days and what's on their mind or what are you seeing? Yeah, well, we when we look at our high school data here, uh, we have an 80, 81 percent graduation rate. So That's we've fantastic. Got, so we've got some work to do. Um, you know, we, we'd much rather be in the 90s. Um, but what we've started to implement this year uh, is uh, the whole notion around smaller learning communities, career academies. Mm. So that's been kind of going on across the United States for, for decades, really came out of the history of that really came out of Columbine. Uh, when the, that incident happened around relationships with kids and the smaller learning community movement, it kind of popped uh, in, the, in the early, you know, two, 2000s. Uh, we started with our ninth grade academy this year. And so oh, nice. uh, they're, they're in uh, houses, if you will. There's about 150 to a team. And, and the whole notion is there, and, the, you know, the research is there around, you know, if, if kids have strong relationships with their teachers and, you know, on-time credit, they, that ninth grade experience is detrimental to making sure that they graduate. And so we've gotten that off the ground this year. I'm very, very pleased with how that is going. I like uh, it. We're working on our career academies. So okay. those 10th grader or those ninth graders, once we get into January, they're going to pick uh, one of four different uh, pathways um, that, that will lead into certifications, internships, uh, mentorship programs, um, we also want to create an early college academy program. Uh, yeah, yeah, those are great. Students, as you know, allow students to earn an associate's degree and a high school diploma at the same time. So the notion is that it's back, and I love what you said, because that's what we believe in too, Mr. Lovers, is, uh, is finding your passion. I'm convinced that nearly 25 years in public education, that our job is to help kids find your passion yeah. for whatever it is you want to be in the future, to be future ready. Uh, if you want to be a plumber, you want to be a mechanic, you want to be an engineer, find that passion because people that have passion don't look at their job as work. They look at it as, as a calling. And, yes. uh, you know, 
And our notion and our, our transformation here in North Little Rock is to expose kids early as elementary school to get exposed to the world beyond North Little Rock. Most of our kids here have never left the zip code. We are probably a mile from the Arkansas River that, as you know, splits Little Rock from North Little Rock. Many of our kids have never been across that river uh, right here. So the notion is they've never been out of their communities. We want to explore them to this larger world that's out there. And, uh, you know, we all know the value of the arts. We all know uh, the, the value of, of social emotional. We all know the value of um, engagement with the environment, those kinds of things. So, you know, those are just some of the things that we're thinking about as, as it relates to the pipeline of our high school students being engaged um, so that they're ready, that they're future ready when, when they graduate uh, into the world of work. Today, as you know, um, not, not every kid needs to go to college. There are many so many jobs uh, in manufacturing right. here, you can make a very good living. That's and right. so one of the things we've also learned here in North Little Rock that when people graduate from here, they, they come back home and, and they want to live here, work here and be a part of this community. And I think that's one of the greatest assets that we have here in North Little Rock, not only is our diversity, but people want to come back and, and call this home and contribute to their community. Can't ask for anything more than that. You know, I think that's such a good point as far as the options for the high school students of what they do, where they go. I had a high school principal from Boston I was doing a podcast with a few weeks ago, and he, he said, it's the last time everyone's forced to be together as a kid. That's true. And, and I was like, that changes the perspective of what that means for that experience for the kids. And I love what you're doing with the ninth grade academy and getting them involved early because then – the sophomore, junior, senior year, for those freshmen that come in when they're seniors, these seniors are going to understand that experience and what it means. Absolutely. And, and our kind of model, which we've been calling E4, there's, e, there's four E's in the model. And the first E is exposure. That's elementary. We want kids in elementary school to be exposed to a variety of things so that learning is meaningful and relevant and connected to the real world, project-based, right? And then middle school is about exploring that. So exposure to passions, middle school should be about exploring your passion. Mm -hmm. And then high school, when you get into ninth and 10th grade is expanding upon that and then acceleration to 12th grade and beyond. I like so it. So it's, it's, uh, it's conceptual right now, uh, but we, we've been kind of refining that. And, uh, you know, there's so many awesome ideas out there on how we can engage kids. In fact, um, we're starting it. We've been having a conversation with the Little Rock Zoo. And mm. I'll give you a, give you a good example of um, exposure. And so I was walking with the executive at the Little Rock Zoo and we were walking and they was showing me the, you know, the different animals and what they have. And I said, you know, what would you think about creating a zoo themed elementary school in which kids uh, can work with and learn math, science, English, and social studies, but through the, the theme of the zoo, right? To make it relevant. It's not that every kid is going to be a zookeeper or animal biologist, but you're using that theme to create meaning and relevancy, which is how the, and he's like, when do you want to get started? <laughs> so, but I think it's also for us, it's about those connections and partners That's right. uh, that, That's right. that want to engage in this innovative work 
And I will tell you, David, that, you know, since I've arrived, I've now had probably thousands of conversations and it just keeps evolving with partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like just that. spoke with the um, Arkansas Museum of um, Art and started a conversation there. And what could a partnership look like there? So I think for us, um, you know, often the business community, when there's ideas, if you don't follow up with them with the business community and partnerships, then then they feel like, well, where's my return on investment? You know, sometimes just things fall through the cracks and people sure. get frustrated. Yeah. And so we're trying to be intentional that we don't drop those balls and that we create meaningful, relevant partners uh, that can bring a sense of relevancy to the curriculum to make it engaging and making it hands-on. You know, just thinking about studying as a student at the zoo got me excited. I was like, wow, I would love that. Because you're right, the, the practical application of our knowledge, I learn best that way. I don't know how, I mean, most people do. Most of us do by the application. That's exactly right. When you learn a foreign language, what do you do? You apply the learning, whether it's computer programming, math, or a foreign language you're learning. They're all languages you have to apply to be good at. That's exactly right. And we want to be able to do that at an early age where, because we all know that's how the brain learns, right? The brain brain doesn't learn in isolation. It learns in an integrated way. So to make that connection to literacy and math and through an application of applying that to something like, who doesn't love animal? Who doesn't love the zoo, right? And so, in fact, when I was there, and I was walking with the executive director and he's like, Greg, look, he's like, I have a classroom space that's here during the day that's no, nobody's using. So your kids could come here, you know, second grade comes this week, third grade comes this week. And their real world project that they're, you know, learning and hands on and taking that back. And, yeah. and that's where you kind of start to get that overlay to the curriculum and say, hey, with an animal biologist, here's how we could, you know, take that math lesson and make it meaningful and relevant. I love that. I love that. And, you know, made me think of, you know, I know you have your educational doctorate degree, which is amazing. Any, anybody gets a doctorate degree, high degree respect for me. Just, just getting <laughs> through it. A journey and a whole a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> That's true. Well, I would, you know, I, w- I was reading through some of your dissertation because I just love to learn about what you've learned about and what your passion is. And, you know, you talked about principals, curriculum supervisors, and district executive leaders perceptions regarding implementing district improvement initiatives. And when I looked at that, I thought, okay, what does that mean to me just looking at that title? And I thought, well, your investment in me as an individual in the school district, how are you helping invest in me as a teacher, as a leader, and things like that? What do you do do to invest in your team to make sure they're successful and help them feel supported? Yeah, you know, I think one of the big things I learned out of that that study was, you know, and the reason I chose that as an area of focus, because, you know, in, in any school district, it's about teaching and learning, right? It is about improving what happens with that teacher in the classroom and how well they deliver the curriculum and differentiate all that kind of stuff. But all the places that I'd ever been, David, there was always a battle between curriculum people. Uh, right? Those that are supporting teachers and know their content. And then you have this other group, which are principals, they're implementers, right? They're running their their kind of buildings and, you know, their day-to-day. And these two groups often would collide with one another. 
and there'd be conflict there. And the whole notion that out of all this is that, you know, these two groups need each other uh, more so than, than they probably realize mm-hmm. if our mission continues to be improving teaching and learning. So we just redesigned our, um, we did not have a curriculum division when I got here. We just created that. So we're at this kind of beginning, really awesome stage of making sure that these two groups are, are working simultaneously together and that we're investing in them. And I think kind of goes back to your original question about, you know, people feel that they're supported when, when they know, number one, what's the goal, what's the mission, where are we headed? And then being empowered that, uh, you know, you're, you're an expert in your field. We're going to let you go do your work, but we're also going to invest in you professionally. And that I feel that, you know, when people feel that they're valued, that they're highly respected, that you give them some autonomy, that it's not rigid, uh, and, and allow them to go do their work, that uh, they thrive in a healthy organization. Not that there's not going to be conflict. You know, there's going to be things that, that happen in any organization. But of I think yeah, yeah. Through, through communication and, and alignment, that we're all here for the same purpose, trying to get after to improve, um, you know, instruction. And, you know, when you, you get bigger organizations that I've been in of 100,000 to 80,000 students, it just gets more complex. But the the, the principle of staying focused on teaching is the same. It's just, it's just magnified. That, that makes sense. And, you know, I always love to ask that question because the, you know, student focused, obviously that's a school's mission, yep. but the people behind the teaching are just as much of an important part of that with their growth and their development and their belief in themselves that they're valued that, that's exactly right. And, and often sometimes when, when you work in schools that have maybe been underperforming, uh, often teachers feel like they've, they've lost their uh, belief in themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, restoring that, that, hey, we're going to help you get better at your craft, right? We're all going to do this together. You know, we're not going to hammer you over the head and, you know, that you're doing it wrong and you need to do it this way. It's, we're trying here to create a learning culture that how do we learn together? How do we take the information that we have and how do we simply keep getting better and faster at getting better throughout the year? It's kind of this kind of cycle of learning kind of thing of, you know, taking data, looking at it. Okay. How do we need to adjust and and get faster and quicker and better at it? I like it. I like it. And, as people know, we, we like it all the time, right? You can't stop. It's not a, I think it's very easy. And again, this isn't directed towards your district or anything. It's very easy to do a quick thrust and then forget about the ongoing things that it takes to maintain solid academic development and relationships, you know, related to even a website. Everyone loves to launch a website, but the real hard work is managing it day to day and providing information updates all the time. Yes. That's the hardest part, not the launch. Yeah. It's, it's the day-to-day. You're exactly right. And keeping communication constantly going that people continue to hear the message. And, you know, that that gets down to, you know, an organization like ours, you know, I'm always out talking to teachers or parents and how's our communication? Is, is, is this getting down to you? You know, how do we get better at this? Because change you know, you know, this as well as I do, 
when you start in the change process, often it's people are confused and not necessarily clear on what it is that you actually want them to do and what's the behavior that they have to change. It's like, well, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. But people don't, they can't visualize what does Greg have to actually physically do differently to, <laughs> to actually change that outcome. And so, you know, that, that's just a constant coaching and a constant communication and yeah. a constant notion of trying to get better. I love it. I mean, it's been so fun to talk to you. Yeah, me too. This time, time flew by. I mean, I was, I was looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, 10 minutes. Now I'm like, oh my goodness, 40 <laughs> minutes later. So there's so much and it's so rich in the midst of what you do and, and the incredible people you get to work with and what you bring to the table to help facilitate that is, as a superintendent, I mean, that's highly, highly commendable and amazing work. Um, especially with your love of the community and your love of the kids and the teachers, all of it, the board, everything in between. Um, anything, yeah. anything else you want to just share before we close it up? I know I, I asked you earlier, like, what do you see in the next few years for the district and in yourself that way? Well, I, you know, I, I just wanted to start by, you know, just adding to what you said is uh, this is such a privileged job to have. And I'm, I'm honored to work. You know, we have a great seven member school board. We're really working together. Uh, the organization is starting to come together and I get this awesome job to work with them. And I get this awesome job to work with our central office leaders, our principals and our teachers that, that they're the ones that are doing the work, right? They're the ones that are making the, the biggest difference. So first, I just wanted to say that, that it's an honor to work with them. It's an honor to be the leader here uh, as a superintendent of North Little Rock. Uh, I see great things. We have a, um, we're getting ready to launch a, a five-year strategic plan, which we currently don't have one. Right. Uh, we're launching a new vision, a new mission, core values uh, in January. We're going to be releasing a trailer coming soon. Okay. Uh, and that vision kind of ties into this notion about being future ready that we talked about, E4, Ninth Grade Academy, this whole notion of really transforming and changing what instruction and deep, meaningful learning looks like for our kids in a nutshell. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited to get that off the ground. Yeah. I'm excited to see the progress that we're going to make. Um, do we have some challenges here? Do we have some big achievement gaps here? We do. Uh, but we're headed in the right direction. Our focus on teachers, our focus on kids, our focus on curriculum, our focus on instruction, assessment, planning, all those things, right, that are the the, the kind of levers that we know to improve instruction. And I'm just anxious for, you know, the things we're putting in place now. It's just, it's going to take time. And right. uh, that's what I've right. asked everybody is just, just give us some patience uh, and stick with it uh, because we'll, we'll grow in time. And, and, and that's the goal. I love it. We'll definitely have to do a follow-up in a year and see where you're at. Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. That's awesome. You'll be in a tuxedo next time, right? A little tie, tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for for choosing me to have a conversation with you, David. Uh, You're right. An hour went by. Like uh, You and I have been best friends for a long time, and we're just catching up. That's right. That's how I felt, so I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I appreciate your perspective. And, you know, knowing the Little Rock area and that area, it – gives me a love for it that I don't think I had for in the past two years as I visited there more with, with some other clients and things. And 
you know, Arkansas is a special place in my heart now that I didn't expect, I shouldn't say didn't expect, I didn't know existed until I was there. <laughs> so that, that discovery has been wonderful and a pleasure to meet you. My and, we'll, and uh, you know, we'll do this again soon. Absolutely. If you're ever in town, look me up. I'd love to I, have a cup of coffee with you or have lunch with you. I will. I will. Thank you, Craig. You bet. All right, David, you have a great weekend. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.